Anyways, welcome church. I'm Robbie Smithwick, youth director here at Peninsula Grace Church. Super excited to be here with you guys in this context today. Um, I lead worship, do other things. Got to stay away from that thing. I was imagining you guys were probably thinking there would be three of us up here this week after last week. For those of you guys who weren't here, Ross and Justin did a tag team sermon as they wrapped up our King of Kings study. It was epic, and now you guys get the youth director. We wore those guys out last week, now it's my turn. Uh, yeah, so let me, let me just pray for us uh, before we get into the Word this morning. I'm going to pray kind of out of a verse that's in our text today, out of Ephesians 1.17, so bow your heads with me. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just ask that you would bless this time, Lord, calm my nerves. I pray that you would give your body, your church, eyes and ears to hear and see what you're doing. In your word, give us hearts that understand, Lord. I pray that you would give us the spirit, your spirit of wisdom and knowledge, so that we might have revelation of you, that you might be able to reveal yourself today to us through the text and the implications that, that surround that for us as the church. Lord, bless this time. May you use me as a tool to relay your word accurately and, uh, and truthfully. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Awesome. So today's message comes out of the book of Ephesians, as Danny said, chapters 1 through 3. Many of you guys know that I love music, I love singing, I love writing music, I love worship leading, especially here. I love singing with you guys. Those are some of my passions, but God has given us all individual gifts and passions. Worship leading and songwriting, just a couple of mine, but during one of Justin and I's weekly discipleship meetings, we get together and kind of hash out a little bit of business as far as work's concerned and rebukes if I need it, slaps on the wrist, stuff like that. But he was like, man, hey, what do you think about teaching a sermon one Sunday in October? And I was just like a deer in the headlights, man. I was like sliding down in my chair, eyes wide open. I was just like, man, I don't know about this. You know, it's one thing to get up here and share my testimony like I did last year. It's just my story. I mean, I can't be, whatever, critiqued on my own story. I'm like, that's how I remember it. It's my story, okay? <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, I just, really, I just drug my, I drug my feet for a second, okay? <laughs> you know, but slowly but surely, and after a little encouragement from Justin, he kicked me out of the nest a little bit, you know, and he's just like, you just need your training wheels off, you know? And I'm like thinking, ah, what am I going to do, you know, but, but yeah, so we decided I should, I should maybe stick with something I'm comfortable with. So we, we utilize, I'm utilizing one of my songs today that I've written, and it's actually pretty verbatim out of a, a section of scripture, but um, we're going to look, so basically I'm just going to dig into the passage that I wrote the song about, so the message is going to be called An Invitation to Ephesians. So as nervous as I am, I mean, I'm already warming up to you guys. I'm starting to notice the faces. I'm like, I know these people. I know the Word. The Lord's going to give me strength to do this. But I'm really excited for this opportunity because oftentimes I don't get to share as much from the scriptural context as I'd like to about a song. A lot of, a lot of these songs are very deep, and there's a lot of strong biblical foundations and Christ-centered biblical truths that are wrapped up in a song. So I'm kind of excited about that. Usually, usually the, the, uh, the song is more the meat, and then the, the verses at the, at the beginning are more like a cherry on top. So this day, it's, time is going to be flip-flop. I get a focus on the meat, and then 
I'm going to share with you guys this song at the end. So this song actually came out of a devotional time that I spent with the Lord one morning. I was reading through the book of Ephesians, kind of in the context that it was written, less as like chapter by chapter, verse by verse, but more as a letter, as a a whole. I was like, man, what does the book of Ephesians look like as a whole? And I don't really know what came, let's see, there we go. I don't really know what came of me, but at the end of that time I had spent with the Lord, I picked up my guitar and I just started writing down, uh, I just started writing down some of these things I had underlined. This is actually pictures of my Bible in the first three chapters of Ephesians, but anywhere there's an asterisk, that's a literal line in the song. And it was kind of cool because after that moment, I found myself humming the tune of this song. And it was really cool because it was calling to remembrance God's word for me through song, which is something I'm passionate about. You know, it just goes to say that a, like a, a catchy tune can really make something stick. Like, I mean, I think how many of you guys have memorized your ABCs? A lot of you kids out there have. Like, you know, or I remember memorizing my times tables in elementary school to like a catchy tune. 4, 8, 12, 16, 20, 24, 28, 30, 36, 40, 44, 48. You know what I mean? goes like that. I I didn't ever get to like the nines tables like all the smart kids in my class, but I mean, plus one on the other side, minus one, it's easy. Come on. But uh, just goes to say that now this tune encourages me and brings God's word to my remembrance all the time. And it's just the power of putting God's word into a scripture, into a song. It doesn't return void. So calling this message an invitation as I can only scratch the surface. I'm trying to cover chapters one through three kind of briefly in this time, but it's an invitation because I want it to challenge you guys or maybe even entice you into digging into the Word yourself, reading through Ephesians as a, as a letter. So I pray that this message would be like the smell of bacon in the morning, causing you to, to salivate and long for the taste of the meat, the real deal. So in the letter to Ephesians, we find Paul under house arrest on his third missionary journey. He's in Ephesus. He's currently under house arrest. They call it a light chain arrest, basically. He's not allowed to come and go as he pleases, but he's allowed to have visitors. And so he's encouraged by other believers. And he also, by way of writing letters, encourages other believers, like in this case with the church in Ephesus. He's writing a letter to the, to the Ephesians, to the people in Ephesus. The book begins with a summary of the gospel, the good news. And the second half focuses on the unity of the church, you and me and how walking with the Lord impacts all of our relationships. So the goal of this message is that we might be reminded of who we are in Christ. And if we are to know who we are in Christ, we must first know who we were without Him. Paul says it this way in chapter 2. He says that you were dead. So as I was preparing, strangely enough, I'm like, Hey Siri, what does dead mean? She's probably going to pipe up now. Stay in there. And she said, she said it this way, she said, no longer alive, completely, absolute. You were dead. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, he says, we no longer had life, absolute, complete, because of our trespasses and sin and following Satan, living in our passions of flesh, carrying out the desires of our minds and bodies. You know, some of the desires of our minds and bodies aren't actually bad things. It's the context, though. Are are they inside God's will or are they outside of His will? This all started back in Genesis in the garden, right? Something God created for good being used for selfish gain or evil purposes. 
So honestly, writing worship songs didn't, didn't really come naturally to me. I spent most of my early songwriting days writing sappy love songs that could have been either to God or to a girl. Super vague. Like, you know, it's like, just say what you mean. And in fact, I even wanted to call my first album God and Girls. Like, I was like, how cheesy is that? I mean, it just, I wanted to be Justin Bieber of my time. But during the first year of my marriage, I had this time with the Lord where he called me to surrender my music completely. Not just, not just want to use it for his purposes, that maybe I could gain a following and then share his word with other people. Like, hey, I'm glad you guys love me so much, but I also love Jesus. You should love him too. He wanted, he wanted my music at the heart. So he wanted it all. And that's really today, by God's grace and only by his grace, can I stand before you today sharing truths of his word in sermon, but also later in song. So praise be to the Lord. So I wrote that now I'm utilizing my God-given passions for their intended purposes to glorify the Lord. So I want to I give this challenge to you guys to think about this. How can and how is God redeeming your passions and your dreams for his glory? I was talking with Ross this morning, and sometimes we feel... Like, we have to stop everything we're doing to pursue the Lord and go do something. But honestly, He's given you passions and desires in your heart for a reason. That they could glorify Him. That you could glorify Him through your passions and your desires. I like to think about it this way. I have this illustration I used. Picked it up from a kid, at, from a counselor at Bible camp one summer. He called it the driver-passenger illustration. So before I completely surrendered my heart and my life to the Lord, both in music, but also just generally when I got baptized and was like, man, Lord, I want to follow you. I took Jesus all over the place with me, man. I was just like, I want to take you to awesome places. Like, man, you won't even believe these friends I have. Like, I want you to know them. But I also took him dark places. I took him places he didn't want to go. And and turns out that Jesus wants the driver's seat in our life. He wants to take us places redeeming our passions and desires along the way, giving us both a foundation and direction. So we, we don't have to remain dead. We don't have to remain the, the driver of our life. We can remain in Jesus. And bringing my, my illustration full circle, turns out there's actually a Jesus limo, right? It's pretty good. In the, in the wise words of Pastor Justin, thank you, Google Images. So Paul Paul continues in chapter 2, verse 4. He says, but God, this is, we're dead in our trespasses and sins, living in our passions and flesh. And it says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. So just as God raised Jesus from dead to life, so we have been raised to new life in him. So he continues in verse 8. Paul says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith. He says, And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. It has nothing to do with your earnings or something that you're being rewarded. Paul's simply reiterating that our salvation comes only through Christ. Only by God's great love, mercy, and His grace are we made right before Him. It's not as a result of works so that we can't boast but only in full reliance on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, Paul, you're trying to tell me that all I have to do is rest in the love of God that I now have access to in Jesus? 
I don't have to strive and struggle to earn his affection or his approval. Some, some of these truths are just so simple, yet we struggle to truly grasp and believe these truths. We let them fill us one moment, and then the next we slip back into our old way of thinking in the next moment. The truth is that we need to live our lives and rest in His truths and His promises, not just come back to Him when we need our fill. It, it kind of reminds me of raising kids. So how, how many of you guys have raised a kid, been around a kid, one or two of you, right? I mean, we just pop kids up all over in this church. That's kind of our thing. But man, so my boy Lewis, he's, he's super cool. He's super sweet. He's tenderhearted. He loves people so much. He says hi to everybody. We went for a run the other day, and he's like, hi. The person's like an eighth mile away still. They're coming with a dog. Hi, hi. I'm like, Lewis, they can't hear you yet. <laughs> But he is a toddler. In fact, he turns two in a couple of weeks. Welcome to the terrible twos. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But seriously, toddlers, they can be sweet. But we also know the screaming and the begging for what they want when they want it. Mama! This morning. Wawa! Out of his crib. You know what I'm talking about. But the truth is we aren't all that different from a toddler sometimes. We come to God with our needs or when we need to be satisfied. And then we drift off and continue to seek our own desires the next moment. But like a toddler, we know who to come back to when we need food or when we need something or need help. Why not remain satisfied in Jesus? Abide in Him. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus each day and remember who we are in Him, that we're, that we're made alive. We're not just satisfied when we need it, but abiding and living in Him, as Jesus says in chapter 15, so that our joy might be full. That's where we find joy. For who knows what brings us joy better than our Creator? You see, God has created you and me for a purpose. And living in that God-given purpose is where we see our lives and the lives around us flourish. For the parent, it's your children, or it's your spouse. Or for the boss or employer, it's your employees. Anyone you have interaction with. For me, hopefully it's my youth kids. I see them flourish as I am walking with the Lord and sharing the word that the Lord is teaching me. So Paul speaks into our God-given purpose in this next passage. He opens chapter 3 referring to himself as a steward of grace. Specifically, God's grace. Which has now been cast wide through Jesus. He states that before this time, the good news was not available to the whole world. The Israelites, sure, they knew of their coming redemption, but this offer was not extended to the Gentiles, those who were outside of God's covenant people, the Israelites. So Paul is spreading the good news and bringing to light what was once a mystery. He's not only unveiling this mystery in the text, but he's also calling us to do the same. Paul charges the whole church, you and me, to be stewards of grace. We see in verse 9 and 10, Paul says that through the church, the unsearchable riches found in Christ and the abundant wisdom of God will be made known, not just to the whole world, but also to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This is, this is through the church. It's through the body of Christ. But Paul may be calling, calling the church at this moment in time, but this is ultimately God's plan. As we see in verse 9, it says, this is according to God's eternal plan and purpose. 
We're meant to be stewards of grace alongside Paul, proclaimers of faith, led into all truth and strengthened by his Holy Spirit. We've been given a mission as the body of Christ to be his hands and feet to the world, to love the world as Jesus loved, to love people, to proclaim his good news, that there is life in Jesus, abundant and full of joy as we walk in him and the purposes which he's created us for. So I got a visual aid for here for you guys here. How many of you guys have been to the Alaska Zoo? I'm sure most of you guys. It's like one of the only entertainment options in, in Alaska. They've, they've got this massive fenced-in habitat with two monstrous Siberian tigers. I've been to the zoo probably like two or three times. We, we pulled the trigger and got one of those passes, and we're like, okay, we have to go at least four times to make this thing work, and we went three or whatever. But I always want to see the tigers, and they're always laying up on top. There's that little den area, and they're always laying up on top there. They're just sleeping. And I'm just like, what the heck? <laughs> but it occurred to me, these, these animals are not in their natural habitat. They're almost laying up there in depression. You know, tigers are such dominant animals. I see these crazy videos pop up on YouTube all the time of, you know, like you just see the like tiger's about to kill something or it's about to catch something, you know. It's, they display their strength and their might and their agility. You know, tigers are supposed to be top of their food chain, rulers of their habitat, kings and queens of the jungle. Yet these two, they just lay there defeated. Talk about living outside of your purpose. So the church, you and I, Paul says that we're handcrafted by God. And that he's made us for a specific purpose, for which he's called us to, and planned for us since the beginning of time. Good works that we might walk in them. Let's read that. I want to read that verbatim. Paul says at the end of chapter 2, verse 10, this is coming out of, for by grace you've been saved through faith. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God created beforehand that we should walk in them. He's got good plans for us. But kind of the caveat here is that we have to remain connected to our power source, ready for His direction, and willing to carry out the things that God has prepared beforehand for us to walk in, not to strive in or struggle to find. We may strive and struggle within these things, but these are things we're meant to walk in throughout our day, ready, ready for these things that God has prepared for us. I like the thing, asking the Father what He has for you each day. Jesus, how can I make your love known today? The truth is that we need to be strengthened to do these things. We in our own strength can't accomplish anything for God or the kingdom of heaven. And this is precisely why Paul segues into a, sh- a prayer for strength for the believers in Ephesus. This is out of Ephesians. This is kind of the last Last section here in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, that He may grant you to be strengthened in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that being rooted and grounded in love, you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the not. What is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. 
that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit can we, the church, succeed in our mission, fully clinging to the love of Jesus that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Man, when we get into some of these promises and directions of God, it just blows me away. God's will and desires for the church go so, so far beyond anything that we can imagine or even ask or even dream of. That's something I've experienced in my life. He's got, his plans are just, they just blow your mind. Like, no way, like, I can't even imagine that. You see, he's the key. He's the key to our satisfaction, our joy, our fulfillment. It says that Jesus, he's our boldness, he's our strength, and he's our hope. So Paul wraps up this prayer addressing the provider. He says it this way, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, his Holy Spirit, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul says, Let it be. To him be the glory. That's God's will for us in Christ Jesus, that he would be glorified. That we would glorify the Father through the Son. That the body of Christ would live in utter dependence on its creator and savior. By the power of the Holy Spirit, emboldened by Jesus Christ our Lord. So as I wrap up, I I just pray that our hearts and minds would be continually affected by the power of the gospel. As it did the first time when we accepted and receive God's grace in Jesus Christ. I pray that we might be reminded every day of who we are in Christ. So this is in the sermon notes. For we were once without Christ. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but now we are with Christ. Now we are with Christ, saved by grace, welcome into Christ's unified body, the church, strengthened by the Spirit to live through Christ, rooted and grounded love in love so that we might proclaim, blessed be our God. So those are the main points there. Life without Christ, life with Christ, and now life through Christ, empowered and emboldened by Him and His Holy Spirit. So I'm going to transition here into my song. This next slide is just a... I guess I got to click those up. Didn't redo that thing. Good. So they're all there. So my song ends with the phrase exactly that I just said, blessed be our God. So the v- verse one of the song actually comes out of Ephesians 2, the top one. You can see it underlined there. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. And then it talks about who we are in Christ. The next slide over says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near. The third verse talks about being a steward of grace and a prayer for spiritual blessing that would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. And then the bridge ends actually in chapter 1 where, where Paul is just praising. Before he even starts, he just goes on this big rambling sentence where he's like, man, blessed be our God who blessed us with Christ. And that's kind of where this song is going gonna, is gonna to end, right there in that bridge. So as you, guys, as you guys hear the song and it starts to make sense, or you start to get the flow. You can sing if you want, or you can just listen and let the words speak to you. But uh, this is the tune that came out of that devotion time. 
I was dead in my trespassing sin Living in passions of flesh No works of my own could ever dethrone My master, my sin But God in mercy and love You made me alive with your son By grace I've been saved Not by works but through faith The great gift of God And now to him who's able Separate I was separated Stranger once was far away. This part comes out of chapter 3. But Christ has brought me near, and by his blood I have been saved. Forever I'll proclaim, Jesus, you're my peace. And that cross I've been restored. The victory is yours and we are your body on the earth. We are, we are the church. Marching help us declare your word. The greatest news any nation has heard. Stewards of grace. Proclaimers of faith, lead us in your truth. Open our eyes, strengthen our hearts by the power of your Spirit. Rooted in love, Christ is dwelling within us. Open our eyes, reveal just how wide and great is your love. Not a him. And out of Him who's able to do more than anything we ask or think. And out of Him be glory in the church in Christ forever. Amen. Let it be. This Christ has brought me near. And by His blood I have been saved Forever I'll proclaim Jesus, you're my peace At the cross we've been restored The victory is yours And we are your body on the earth yeah. We are, we are the church Blessed be our God Who blessed us with Christ's redemptive blood Forgave him a right You've chosen me You lavished me with grace My God, we bring you praise And sing blessed be our God Who blessed us with Christ's redemptive blood Forgave him a right, you've chosen me, you lavished me with grace, my God.
sleeping, you pray. Sing, blessed be our God, who blessed us with Christ's redemptive blood. Forgiven me right, you've chosen me. You lavish me with grace, my God. I bring you praise Cause Christ has brought us near And by His blood we have been saved Forever we'll proclaim Jesus, you're our peace At the cross we've been restored The victory is yours and we are your body on the earth We are, we are the church Cause we are Your body on the earth Your hands, your feet We are the church